Welcome back to Maya friends. It's time for my yoga audio where we focus on your mind and body on the mat. I'm your host, Megan Morgan. And today in episode four, we're going to start dipping our toes into the practice of yoga. I wanted to start off right away with what you might need for this practice. And this comes from a question that I received that I've already answered on my website and included in the frequently asked questions section. So you can refer back to it if you need to. And technically, you can practice anywhere, wearing comfortable clothing and with some sort of electronic source to hear the sound of my voice. This program is designed for the average able-bodied person, but I will always offer modifications. To have an optimal experience, I'd recommend considering the following. A yoga mat that is comfortably thick to start, and any sort of fitness mat will do. But as you may become more advanced, I'd suggest a more pro type of mat, such as from Manduka, Jade, or Prana. I've also recently heard good things about traditional yoga rugs, but I don't have experience with them personally just yet. It's also nice to have some sort of cushion, pillow, and it can be a meditation cushion. And again, any sort will do to get started. But later on, if it becomes a big part of your practice, you may want to look into more specialty ones. Next, earbuds, headphones, etc., and a space place where you can be mostly uninterrupted for 25 to 45 minutes. A blanket can be helpful because sometimes when we sit or lie still for a while, such as in Shavasana or a short meditation, you might feel chilly. There are props that are useful, such as blocks or straps, but again, you can substitute for right now with large textbooks or even a belt if you already have that on hand or until or if you feel like you want to make that step to purchase more products. Some of this episode's poses are part of an article I wrote earlier this year for Dream Broad magazine, issue four, Nourish to Flourish. Dream Broad is a women's culture magazine that covers everything from self-care, community, spiritual growth, and creativity. You can find and order copies of the magazine at www.dreambroadzine.com if you so desire. I called this series Nourish Through Flow, Yoga for Self-Preservation and Deep Connection. Now more than ever, it is so important to honor and take care of our personal connection to ourselves. The hard thing for many of us used to a socially active world is that we're spending so much more time alone because of the current pandemic. And let's say it out loud, it's not easy to do. But we can take small steps and initiate new and routine practices each day, like yoga, that can help us nourish that connection to our deepest self and in doing so, become a little more stable and grounded. Yoga, as I've mentioned before, and which many of you might already know, translates from the Sanskrit word to yok, as in from within. By doing this inner work through the physical practice of asana, we are assisting our bodies and our minds to heal and learning to sit in genuine peace and love with ourselves. So again, here's that word, asana. Asana also comes from Sanskrit and it means posture, but the root of the word means to take a seat. Teachers commonly refer to yoga poses as asanas and movement, but the irony of this translation is that all poses are intended to bring you back to your seat or meditation. For each pose, as I'm introducing them to you, I'll say the name of the pose in English and also in Sanskrit at first. Part of honoring the lineage and practice of yoga is sharing these teachings. You'll likely start to notice that each translation has the word asana in it somewhere. But don't worry, let's not get too bogged down in the terminology yet. I'm just explaining how it's going to go. As for a little bit of background on my physical practice to help any of you who may be feeling doubts, I'm naturally pretty strong. Most of us are naturally strong or naturally flexible but rarely both. Yoga definitely does not come naturally to me. I have to really work at it. And I practiced for more than a year alone in my basement before I ever even went to a publicly available class. 
So the poses I'm offering here are accessible for most typically able-bodied people, and they can be supplemented with props and modifications, which I'll outline as well. The biggest thing to remember is that this practice truly is for every body. Don't give up on yourself if the poses don't work for you. It doesn't mean yoga won't help you. Challenge is okay. Yoga, contrary to popular opinion, is not easy. There are dozens of physical poses and asanas that you can do. These are just a few. But I do encourage you to try at least one. Try them all. One of the things I've been doing with a women's group I volunteer for sometimes called Shakti Rising is filming two minutes or less video demonstrations that follow a practice called the Nine Gates of Yoga. This is an integral part of their programming for women in recovery. These two minutes or less recognizes these women who don't have an hour or two to do a traditional yoga practice. Yoga is available to anyone at any time for as little or as long as you have. Some is better than none. So I encourage you to find the right amount of time that works for you and just fit it in where and when you can. Choose a pose a day to start. Remember, yoga activates so much in the body right away, so you may start to feel discomfort. Unless you're genuinely in pain, try to calm your breath and maintain the pose for as long as you can while I'm still guiding you through it. But if you need to rest or shift your position, please do so. Lastly, before we begin, remember that I'll provide some visual supports for these positions on the Instagram channel at my.yoga.audio. And several of them are also photographed in Dream Broad magazine, which I mentioned earlier as well. Start off by coming to the top of your mat or simply just standing on the floor or whatever you're practicing on. Many teachers, myself included, often start with the sound of Om or a mantra to begin or end class. Since we haven't yet gone over these sounds and practices yet, I won't start with that today. But if it's part of your practice to do so, feel free to pause this recording and do so right now. When you come back to your mat, stand up as tall as you can. This is Tadasana, or mountain pose. Turn your palms towards the front of your body, facing forward, and feel your head lift while your neck gets nice and long. Feel your feet fully planted on the ground beneath you. Try lifting up all of your toes, one by one if you can, and then slowly bring them back down again. Take a big breath in through your nose and then let it go out through your mouth. <sighs> Next, take another big breath in and roll your shoulders up towards your ears on the breath in. And then bring them back down, squeezing your shoulder blades together on that breath out. Try this two more times, rolling up the shoulders on an inhale, rolling them back and down on an exhale. And then become aware, again, of the crown or the top of your head. Feel your neck elongate as you stand on your tippy-tippy toes and reach your head towards the ceiling or the sky if you're outside. Bring your heels back down to the ground and on your next breath in, start to sweep your arms and hands out wide and then up towards the ceiling or the sky and come back to your tippy toes. Everything is reaching, reaching, reaching skyward on the breath in. All returns to earth on your breath out. Next, let's take a breath in, bringing the feet about hip distance apart if that's not where they are already. And then start to slowly fold your upper body forward as you breathe slowly out. It's helpful to have a block or textbook here if you're just starting out or if you know you have tight hamstrings or tightness in your other leg muscles. 
We're coming into forward fold, which is known as Uttanasana. And as you fold, your body may only allow you to go so far, or you may find yourself with your nose right on your knees. Chances are you're somewhere in between both of those places. You can bring a block in to place your fingertips or palms on it if you can't comfortably reach your feet or the floor. And you can also bend your knees if you need to as well. Try to let the belly relax here a bit and take three deep breaths in and out. Now next, let's start to bend the knees really purposefully if you haven't bent them already and really let your upper body just fold down like a waterfall comfortably over the tops of your legs. This time we're not reaching for the floor or the feet, we're just hanging loose like a rag doll for a few breaths. Rag doll or dangling pose is a variation on Uttanasana that's called Bada Hasta Uttanasana. But really, it's just a chance to let things go. Take a big breath in, feel your belly press out towards your thighs, and then again, let that breath go from your mouth. As you breathe out, let go of everything and anything that doesn't serve you in this practice right here, right now. Let's now move down to our mat and start out on all fours. Try to keep in mind as we go through that the breathing we mostly want to emphasize for our practice is in through the nose and out through the nose. Whenever you need to let something go, inhale through the nose and exhale through the mouth. But ujjayi breath translates from Sanskrit to mean victorious, conquering, and is sometimes called victorious breath or ocean breath. It helps to keep you calm, not start to panic, not inducing a fight or flight response when we start to breathe through our mouths. So keeping that in mind, let's now move down to our mat on all fours. Line your shoulders up directly over your wrists and your knees are directly underneath the hips. What we're prepping for here is downward facing dog, also Adho Mukha Shavasana. I love starting a practice in downward facing dog. It immediately gets you upside down, which is an instant perception shift. What can you see differently from this position, literally and metaphorically? It activates the majority of the muscles in the body and encourages blood flow to the brain and the heart and the breath rate speed up a little, bringing you a little more awareness to the physical body. So beginning from all fours, start to spread your fingers wide. Keep your hands about shoulder distance apart. And from your bent knees, start to lift the legs up off the ground, keeping on your tippy toes. For some, as you begin to stretch into that familiar V shape, your heels may touch or almost touch the ground easily. But for most of us, we are tight in the hamstrings, the legs and the feet. So the heels will most likely stay lifted. As you rise more into this V shape, feel free to keep your knees bent or you can start to straighten them one side and then the other. Press the palms down. Make sure you can't feel any spaces between your finger joints and press your heart back towards your thighs and start to walk the arms and hands just a little more in front of the shoulders. Then roll your shoulders back and down and squeeze those shoulder blades together. Let your head hang loose, maybe even shake it side to side a little bit. Breathe deeply. And if you can, Hold this shape as I continue to guide you through the pose. When you're finished or you need to rest, gently bring the knees back down. I'm going to move into talking about the modifications you can try in this pose. But again, keep trying to hold, keeping your breath steady in and out. Don't hold the breath, hold the pose. For many people, this pose can be initially painful on the wrists until over time you learn to bring your body weight more into your legs and your core. So you can practice walking your feet closer to your face and then further away. Pay attention to the signals in your body. You can also bring in a rolled blanket 
or even roll up the edge of your mat to place under your palms to ease any strain. You can also keep the knees bent the entire time or just go up into the V for a couple of breaths and then come down and try again. Now let's come back down onto the hands and knees and try looking over your left shoulder on a breath in and your right shoulder on a breath out. If you felt tension in your wrists from down dog, try lifting the hands up one at a time and rotate them, lengthen and curl the fingers. You can even try turning the tops of your hands upside down and underneath you and just press very gently down on the tops of your wrists to give some opposite movement to what we just did. We'll now prepare for Cat-Cow, which is also known as Marijariasana and Bhitilasana. Cat-Cow is nice to transition into from the hands and knees after downward facing dog. You can rest the wrists, catch your breath and flex the spine. This movement emphasizes looking forward and up and then looking under and inward. So how do the two movements connect for you in this moment? Start by placing the palms directly under the shoulders and the knees, again, directly under their hips. Take a breath in and then on the breath out, look up, drop your belly and arch the back. This is cow pose. Your toes can be tucked or flat out behind you, your preference. Take another breath in, and then on the breath out, round the spine, tuck your chin towards your chest, and look towards your own navel. Repeat this movement several times. Again, when you're practicing on your own, three to ten cycles of breath is ideal. Your eyes can be closed or they can be open. Just focus on the breath. Don't let the back completely collapse. You want to stretch the spine here not compress it. This pose is typically accessible for most people. If it does still strain the wrist though, you can try placing a rolled blanket or roll the edge of your mat underneath the palms for some support. From this position, let's move into a seat on our mat and bring your posture up tall as you can in a seated position as we move into double pigeon also known as Agni Stambhasana. This is also called knee to ankle pose or stacked fire lugs. And this position really gets into the hips and the leg muscles. What you're doing is bringing your shins and your feet to stack directly on top of one another. This is not cross-legged pose where your ankles are crossed. Start by placing your right foot on top of your left knee and that foot is flexed. Then your left foot is on top of your right knee and that foot is flexed too. Many people find that at least one knee is way up in the air because our hips are tight. So bring in blocks, pillows, etc., to wedge a support under a knee or both knees if they're lifted. Agni translates to fire and that's a pretty apt description for this position. Can you feel it already? I find the biggest challenge in this pose is to maintain my composure in the face of the fire. Do I need to ease off? Do I breathe deeper and ease more into it? It's different every time. Switch sides now by unwinding and bringing your shin and foot that's currently on the mat to the top of your fire logs and moving the shin and foot that's on the top towards the mat. Sometimes I find using a blanket here is helpful. And especially if you're practicing without a mat on the floor, you will need some support. Take another few breaths here. As you're sitting in this position, thinking about if you've ever had lower body surgery or injuries anytime recently, this pose may not be one to keep at at this time. However, other than that, bring in blocks or pillows which can be placed under the knees if the legs don't stack moderately comfortably on top of one another. Both feet should be flexed at all times. This protects your knees. Remember, the shins are stacked directly on top of one another. You are not sitting cross-legged with ankles at an angle. For many of us, staying upright is more than enough tension here. 
For others, though, or if you're a little more limber and if you need more, you can start to breathe more deeply and walk your hands forward. Maybe your head lowers as well to a block or right down onto your mat. Take it one breath at a time and keep those tummy muscles pulled in, even when breathing in and out. You don't want to forget to switch sides as you need to. Both sides of the hips need to get this equal action, even if they don't feel the same. Ultimately, if it's too challenging or even painful for you to get into this position, skip it so as to not accidentally injure the knees or the ankles. We're going to move on now to seated twist, which is also known as Ardha Matsyandrasana. In yoga, po- in yoga classes, excuse me, this pose is often called half lord of the fishes, and it's a great transition to go into after double pigeon. I like to think of this pose as the east and west of perspective, much like down dog is kind of north and south. The legs here stay in the same position as they were in double pigeon, or if that's too stressful for you, you can just shift to an actual cross-legged position that might feel more comfortable where the ankles are crossed. You will really feel this position in the side body, the ribs, and maybe even the chest. So sitting cross-legged or with the shins stacked, keeping your posture as straight as possible, start to turn your head to look over one shoulder. Place a supporting hand behind you on the floor or the mat, as this will help you to keep your posture upright. Don't let the shoulders, belly, and head start to lurch forward And conversely, try not to lean back. You want to find your tallest posture possible. Use your breath to deepen the twist and maybe even look over the shoulder on each exhale. Looking off to a point in the distance, you can use your hands and you can place them on your opposite knee and the floor to get a grip and help you maintain focus and alignment. Or you can focus inward by closing your eyes. Keep pressing your seat and legs towards the floor, especially if you feel like they start lifting up. That's common. On a breath in, lift higher. And on a breath out, twist more. Take a few more breaths in this position. And when you begin to switch sides, look over your opposite shoulder. Place one hand on your opposite knee and one on the floor behind you for support. What do you notice here? Is there a difference from side to side? Most of us are not perfectly symmetrical, so we can notice that one side may feel more challenging than another. So just notice it if it happens. It doesn't mean anything good or bad. It's just your body responding to the practice and pointing out areas that might be out of balance. And that's okay. In this pose, we are grounded, but we're also lifting and looking at what's on the horizon for us, right and left, meeting east and west. If sitting in this position becomes too taxing, you can sit on a block or a folded blanket. This helps to lift the hips for you and provides ease. You can also place a block behind you if the floor feels a million miles away when you reach for it. And touching the opposite knee helps both hands have something to hold on to and push off of to keep the posture lifted as possible. For our next position, we're going to transition to standing. So take a moment to comfortably come out of your seated twist and stand up once more. We're moving into a favorite of mine, star pose, Utita Tadasana. In this position, you are open and ready to receive wisdom from the universe, and yet you are also ready to give it. Yes, you too have something of great value to offer the world. So after moving into a standing position, you may want to start with the palms at heart center for a moment to orient yourself from being seated to now standing. Remember, we did mountain or tadasana pose when we first started, where arms can be at your sides, palms facing forward, or you could now place them at heart center and press them together. 
checking in with how your heart space and your breathing are doing. Then when you feel ready, start to widen the feet and legs as far as they will go comfortably. Feet are parallel to one another and toes are pointing forward. Start to stretch your arms out as far apart as they will go. Palms can reach up or out and up towards the skies. Find what feels good in your body. Embrace the sensation of being a star yourself. Believe it or not, you are a cellular star in our solar system. Who you are matters. Think of that in this moment and smile broadly if you can. Keep your feet pressed down firmly on all sides. Pull that belly in, roll the shoulders back and down, and maybe your head and spine start to lean back while embracing the thought that you are a star. Feel free to keep the knees bent if you need to, rather than forcing them straight if it's painful. Additionally, if you have low back pain or any issues there, try to stay more upright rather than leaning the head or the spine back in your opening. From this star position, we're now going to move into Warrior Two, also known as Virabhadrasana Two. Another favorite of mine, Warrior Two embraces the next right use of your actions. What next steps are you ready to take in your life? What is right for you? The warrior poses are as much about power as they are about approaching it from your level of choosing and personal evolution. So step wide, and let's start with the right foot leading with toes pointing towards the top of your mat. Your back foot should have either the arch or heel in line with the front heel when you look down. Play with the wideness of your stance. It's more challenging the further apart that the feet are. Your front knee is bent, so make sure that front knee stays over your front ankle and not behind or in front of it, and keep that bent knee turned out towards your pinky toes, not in. Outstretch your arms as wide as they will go. Flex your fingers. Turn your gaze over your front wrist, and then maybe you close your eyes. You might notice the heart rate will start to pick up a little bit more here. Roll the shoulders back and down. Make the effort to pull in the belly and lift your head and your neck. Feel all the edges of your feet pressing down. You're doing great. I know you feel the challenge of this pose. You've got this. Breathe. Let yourself rest if you need to. You can bring your arms down for a moment if it gets too intense or release some of the depth of the bend in your knee. There is no such thing as doing perfect yoga. It is always a practice. So we switch the sides. Step wide again, and this time have your left foot leading with the toes pointing forward. Again, your back foot should either have the arch or the heel in line with the front heel when you look down. Play some more with the wideness of your stance. Is it different on this side? Is it more challenging to you to bring the feet further apart or closer together? Keeping your front knee bent over your front angle and not in front of it or behind it. And keeping that bent knee turned out, not in. Outstretch those arms as wide as they will go. And flex your fingers. Turn your gaze over your front wrists. And then maybe close your eyes. The heart rate may be picking up even more. Roll the shoulders back and down and take the effort again to pull in the belly, lift the head and the neck, feel the edges of your feet pressing down. You've got this. If keeping the back leg straight is painful or too challenging, still keep it straight, but ease out of the deep bend in your front knee. And while this pose is meant to be challenging, if the shoulders or the neck start to feel too intense, you can bring your hands to your hips or stretch them out behind you and even clasp the knuckles. You can even hold your shoulders in a little hug, but try not to slouch and ease back 
into the arms being outstretched when you can. As we transition into triangle, also known as Trikonasana, we can notice the lovely confluence of north, south, east, and west, all the directions. Where are you in this space? Where do you stretch and bend with ease? And where do you find your personal sense of balance? What are the challenges that you're pursuing here? So to come into triangle pose, step the legs wide, similar to what you did for warrior two. But this time we will keep both legs straight. Open the arms wide again, similar to warrior two. But on a breath out, start to hinge forward on your right side from the hips with your upper body. Your legs stay just as they are. The upper torso is reaching forward, but not yet down. Once you have reached as far forward as you can, really stretch those arms and fingers long. Pull in your belly some more. Ground the feet and the legs and then start to dip down a little. This is a great place for a block or a book if you need it. You can place your bottom arm on your shin, the floor or a block. Your top arm, your left arm is reaching towards the sky. The bottom arm, your right arm reaches towards the earth. Deep breaths. You can even balance here without a block, both arms and hands suspended in the air. Look up at your fingers reaching so high and also try looking towards the ground and breathe and balance. To switch sides, pull in through the belly again and bend the right knee if you need to. Once you're fully upright again, start to hinge forward towards your left side from the hips with your upper body. Legs again, stay straight if possible and the upper torso reaches forward, but not yet down. Move slowly. Once you've reached as far forward as you can, pull in the belly some more, ground the feet and the legs, and then start to dip down a little. Again, great place for a block or a book if you need it. Do you notice a difference from side to side in this pose? You can place your bottom arm on your shin again, the floor or a block, even your foot. Your top arm, your right arm reaches towards the sky. The bottom arm, your left arm reaches towards the earth. Deep breaths. Looking up at your fingers, reaching high and also looking towards the ground. Breathe. Balance. Perfect exactly as you are. You can use your own leg or knee to lightly rest your bottom hand on, or you can use a block. You can also do a modification where you reach your top hand behind you to rest on the small of your back if reaching skyward is too much. Slowly start to come out of triangle by bending into your knee if you need to and pulling into your belly to help support the low back as you lift your torso back upright. We're going to transition now into tree pose or vrkshasana. Tree pose is another balancing posture, and I liken it to being the calm within the storm. Triangle can really make us aware of our impermanence in any situation. So other balancing poses like tree remind us that we can be strong no matter what comes our way. Tree pose is fun, but it also encourages our innate resilience to come forward. So standing nice and tall, start to come onto the tiptoes of your right foot, putting most of your weight into your left foot and leg. And just balance that right foot against the inside of your left foot or ankle. Your hands can stay at the heart, start to come out wide or even reach for the sky. You can keep that right foot on the ground or start to slide it up the shin just under or just over the knee on the left thigh. Don't place the foot directly on the knee joint. I see this so often in the media and it's the biggest no-no. The balance you're looking for, which may be really difficult or even impossible at first, eventually comes from the alignment of the whole body and the breath, not from putting pressure on your knee. 
and we need to not rely on our joints for these poses. We're training our muscles and our minds. Above all, don't get frustrated if your foot just slips down or falls down or you can't remove it from your ankle. We are all standing literally in different shoes. So just be accepting where you are right now and let it grow from there. To switch sides, try to slowly lift up and then place down that right foot on the floor again. And shift your weight into your right leg now and balance your left foot on the right ankle very lightly. And same as on the other side, the hands can stay at the heart, start to come out wide or reach high. You can keep the left foot on the ground or start to slide it up the shin just under or just over the knee on the thigh. I'm going to repeat this verbatim again because it's so important. Don't place the foot directly on the knee joint. Focus on your belly muscles, on lifting the crown of your head higher to help you balance. The balance you're looking for, which may be very difficult, comes from the alignment of the whole body, a calm mind and breath, not from exerting pressure on the knee. Remember, we're not relying on our joints for these poses. We're training our muscles, our breath, and our minds. If your foot slips down, or if you can't remove it from resting on your ankle, just keep trying. Don't berate yourself. We are all standing in our different shoes. So we are accepting where we are right now, and we grow from here. Keep the toes on the ground or keep your hands on your hips if you're really having trouble balancing. Opposite, if you are looking for a challenging variation, I like to try a tree pose that involves going into a seat that starts in tree pose, but it involves sliding the lifted foot across the opposite knee and then you sit back, almost like you were in a chair, except you're balancing on one leg with your hands at your heart. Your heart is open, your breath is steady, the gaze is focused, and the top foot is flexed. This is called monkey seat or hanumanasana. You don't have to try it today, but you sure can. All right, we're really going to start winding down now and make our way back to the mat and the ground. So let's start in child's pose, also known as balasana. Ah, sweet child's pose. This position is great towards the start or end of a practice. Surrendering to yourself is all that is needed. That's it. Just you. Just rest. So bringing your knees to the ground as wide as your mat and just slightly wider than your hips. Press your palms into the mat and push your hips back towards your heels as you lower the upper body down towards the ground as well. Stretch your arms forward and try to bring your forehead down to the mat or a block as well so that you can rest and breathe. You may want to bring in a block underneath your chest or even a pillow if it feels strange to have your face on the floor or the mat. If you find having the knees super wide like this is uncomfortable or painful, or if your hips are really far away from your heels, you can try rolling a blanket and placing it between the hamstrings and the shins to provide a buffer. You can also bring the knees directly together, touching, and fold your body over them and have your arms at your sides rather than stretched out in front of you. Lastly, some people find it uncomfortable to be face down on the mat for a variety of reasons, so you could turn your head to one side for five breaths and then turn the other way. Finally, moving into final rest, also known as corpse pose or shavasana. Many of us might know that this final resting pose is simply lying on your back, relaxed and with eyes closed. So let's go there now, absorbing your practice absorbing what has been revealed to you, enjoying a well-deserved moment of rest from the pace of life and the work it takes to do yoga. It's not about death, but rather your chance to reawaken to new life afterwards and start fresh. New perspectives, new feelings and sensations 
and hopefully a greater connection to the love of you. If you think you need it, have a blanket handy or just place it over your legs and you can pull it up over on top of you if you want to be more covered as we move along. For some people, lying flat on their spine is painful on the low back. If this is the case, place some blocks, a pillow, or blankets behind your knees to lift them up a little, easing the pulling on those muscles surrounding the spine. You can also choose to sit upright and do a seated meditation to close your practice. You know what's right for you. For some people, the total silence of Shavasana can feel overwhelming. So for this first episode, I'm including a short guided meditation and some gentle sounds in the hopes that it will help and soothe you. In future episodes, we'll try it different ways. You can then better decide how you prefer your resting experience to be. So come to lie down on your back if you haven't done so already. Close your eyes or at least narrow your gaze dramatically. Roll your shoulders back and down and turn your palms to face upward. Take a big breath in through the nose and then let it go with some force from the mouth. This is releasing again anything that will not serve you as you move into rest. Practice can stir up emotions and feelings in the body. You want to let that go. Try turning your head to one shoulder and then the other. And again, a big breath in and a somewhat forceful breath out. Now bring your attention to your feet. Flex your toes. Lift up your heels. Feel the tension of this movement with a big breath in. And then let everything go back down to the mat. And now bring your attention to your legs and specifically the muscles in your legs. On a breath in, tense all the muscles that you possibly can and feel the legs lift, contract. Possibly they even rise up off the mat with that tension. And on the breath out, let them go. Next, bring your attention to your belly. On a breath in, feel that belly rise, 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 filling up with air towards the ceiling. And on a forceful breath out, pull it back down as strongly as you can. Envision pulling the belly towards the spine, towards the mat, towards the earth. That's it. And now let it go. Bring your attention into your chest now and start to breathe in. And feel the chest and heart rise as high as they can possibly go again. Your upper spine may even lift away from the mat. Hold it, hold it, hold it. And then let it go. Focusing on your arms now. Flex your fingers, open your palms as wide as they will go. Feel the arms lift away from the mat. You're still pulling that big breath in and holding, holding, holding and then letting it go. And as we gently arrive at the head region, your crown, the home of all the peace and rest that is actually housed here, send yourself a wave of compassion, one that washes over the whole body. Visualize it from your feet, up the legs, over the belly, the heart, the arms, until it comes to rest right above your head. This is your higher self. So let's focus on accepting the beauty, wisdom, and compassion of this companion, this higher self. And on a breath in, scrunch up all the muscles in your face, your head, your scalp, your ears, whatever you can do and hold that tension for a moment and then let it go. Is there room there now for your higher self to just come inside for a moment? Let's take a few breaths now, just in total quiet, to breathe and be in this quiet, safe space.
taking your time. Start to find yourself coming back into the room if you've drifted away somewhere. You can start by wriggling your toes, maybe turning your head gently side to side. Perhaps you stretch your arms up high and long over your head. You can try pulling on one wrist and then the other. Roll the ankles, flex those toes once more. Then start to roll over onto one side, bringing your knees in close to your body and rest your head right in that perfect little V crook of your elbow for a few breaths. Slowly feel your body, your consciousness, and your heart coming back into this physical world. And when you feel ready, support yourself with your hands to come up into a comfortable seated position. Sit up nice and tall once more. On a breath in, reach your arms up high above you one last time. and Bring the palms together into your heart center on the breath out. Take a moment to bow your head towards your fingers and have a moment of gratitude. It can be for anything, your practice, yourself, something that came up for you in this practice, a loved one. What is it for you? On your next breath in, raise your pressed palms from your heart to your forehead, specifically the space between your eyebrows that is known as your third eye and the seat of your intuition. And acknowledge that special place for you and trust that it will continue to guide you towards what you need to know. And then on our next breath out, we bow forward, acknowledging our practice, ourselves, our community, and all of our teachers who have come together to result in the beauty of this one perfect moment. And as you rise back up, open your eyes, start to blink and look around you, see how you feel. It might feel right to journal for a little while after practicing, or maybe you want something to drink or to eat. Just listen closely to what your mind and your body are telling you about what you need right now, and then honor that. So as we're closing out this episode, I'd love to put out there, what questions do you have? How are you feeling about what we've opened up so far? In episode one, I introduced Maya to you. In episode two, we went on a longer guided meditation. In episode three, we talked with Jill Weston and explored Yoga Nidra. And now in episode four, we've waded into our first practice. Share your feedback, questions, and revelations with me at myyogaaudio at gmail.com. And let's keep connected, building this community one step at a time. Coming up right now is a short audio excerpt from my book, the end of me. I'm making an effort for people to get to know more about me, why I do what I do, and part of the reason why I started this podcast. And especially if you don't already know me in real life, I think the book might help you understand more about Maya. And it directly helps to support this podcast and me, quite frankly. If you're in the United States, you can purchase a book directly from me. Just email me via the website but it's also available online at Barnes and Noble and through Amazon. My mother, Rhea, died when I was seven months old. My father, Ronnie, died when I was four years old. The first time that I died, I was 19. As I drowned, I looked up and I saw the sun floating further and further away as my body sank towards the lake bed. Panic slowly receded into peace when I realized what was happening and I could no longer breathe. My mother appeared before me. She was blocking the entrance to a long, wide tunnel 
with a bright white light that was magnetically pulling me toward it. I reached for her, but she held me back. No, it's not your time, she said. You have so much work left to do. Propelled somehow to the surface, I watched from above and on the sand in a great heave, I expelled so much water. The second time I died, I was hemorrhaging after an extremely fast and unplanned home birth. I knew something was wrong. I got cold. I shook. I couldn't speak. All went dark and warm and quiet. My father was suddenly standing over me. He said, you're not supposed to be here. This is a mistake. And he brought some other people over to help, and they sent me back. I feel the fear in the room. I hear the sounds they make on my body, trying to get it to work again. And when I come back in, it's the sharpest inhale I've ever felt, and it feels like swallowing glass. These death-defying experiences gifted me precious moments of time with my parents. You would think this would make me live in fear of dying, but instead it led me to yoga because I experienced almost indescribable expansion, true exhalation, absolute energetic integration, all at the same time. And each return to my waking life showed me how to reset my compass to true north again and again. Thank you for being here today. And until next time, keep listening closely, expand exponentially, and remember it's always a good time for your mind to be on the mat.